Okay. Lobby and Lavande. There is an emergency in the building. Please evacuate the mall using the stairs. Do not use the elevators or escalators. Beep, beep, beep. There is an emergency in the building. Please evacuate the mall using the stairs. Do not use the elevators or escalators. Beep, beep, beep. Kane, Roxanne, and Percy exchange a glance, abandon their subpar food court dinners, and start speed walking in the direction the rest of the crowd is headed. I don't even know where the trash can is, let alone the stairs, Kane says, tucking his shaky hands into his pockets to hide his anxiety. Me either, I just hope these people do, Roxanne replies, laughing nervously. Percy nods quietly, his hazel eyes fixed on the tile floor in front of him. Roxanne sticks her arm out to stop him just before he crashes into the back of someone who stopped to tie their shoe. It'll be okay, Percy, Roxanne says, putting a hand on his back, I'm sure it's just a malfunctioning smoke alarm or something going off in a kitchen. The three follow the crowd into the stairwell, and the worry hanging in the air like mist is suffocating. They begin to clamber down the stairs, the blaring alarm bouncing off the walls of the cramped stairwell. Percy reaches out and takes Roxanne's hand, tears clear in his eyes. Fire alarms have really freaked him out since high school, no one is sure why. Roxanne grips his hand tightly, and then reaches out her other hand to Kane. Kane is claustrophobic and she knows that, though she also knows he'll never admit it. Kane pulls a wobbly hand out of his pocket and slips it into Roxanne's. Look, there's the exit. Don't worry, we're almost there, Roxanne says, bravery in her smile and voice. Suddenly, the exit door slams shut. The crowd stops moving in the stairwell. Hey, the door won't open anymore. It's stuck, a man says. Two other men bash into the door a few times to try and get it open, but to no avail. The alarm stops mid-message and the intercom squeals to life, damn near deafening the forty-odd people left in the stairwell. A smooth, sultry female voice comes on over the intercom, flowing like warm molasses from the speakers and coating the crowd in a false calm. Hello, my wonderful people. Why don't you come upstairs and have some fun with me? If you don't, well, I'm not sure what will happen to you. Let's just say, my friends aren't as nice as I am. I'll be waiting. Older adults immediately begin climbing the stairs, an odd smile stretched across their faces. Kane, Roxanne, and Percy look around at the other teens and twenty-somethings around them. That was really S.U.S., Roxanne says, receiving nods from the small group. What should we do? Percy and Kane shrug, exchanging a glance. Kane's breathing has sped up significantly since the door closed, and Roxanne knows this is a sign that he is going to have a panic attack. She bites her lip and furrows her brow. If they go upstairs, who knows what will happen to them? Then again, if they don't go upstairs, the intercom voice made it sound like they would probably regret it. A boy in a Skyrim t-shirt pulls a bobby pin from Roxanne's hair and a screwdriver from his utility knife and begins trying to pick the lock just like in Skyrim. 
the fuck? The door isn't locked, he says, turning the handle to show the group. It's just stuck shut, like something is propped under the door handle like they do in movies. He tosses Roxanne's unusable bobby pin behind him and they listen to the quiet tinks of it descending the stairs. A low growl begins to emanate from the basement. The heck was that? A girl with bright blue hair asks, peering around the gate blocking them from descending further. The growl creeps its way up to their ears again, louder this time. I don't want to find out, Kane says, his deep voice breathless and muffled. He has placed a hand over his mouth to keep from hyperventilating. He starts pulling at Roxanne and Percy, backing up the stairs. The growling is very close now, and the sound of claws can be heard on the metal stairs. See a clink, see a clink, see a clink. The group starts running back up the stairs, Kane, Roxanne, and Percy at the helm. Kane yanks the other two along, using his long legs to take the stairs two at a time. They hear a loud thud at the bottom of the stairs, and no one turns to look at whatever the growling, clawed thing might be. The whole group tumbles through the first open door they come across. Skyrim boy slams it shut and props a wet floor sign underneath the handle. Something big and heavy slams into the door, harumps like a dog, and then goes silent. We all sit at the top of the stairs, panting. Roxanne looks at her wristwatch and gasps. We were not down there for four hours, she says, taking her watch off and showing the group. It reads 10.13 p.m. We were eating dinner at like six, what the hell? Percy says. Kane is still on his knees, breathing heavily with Roxanne's hand resting on his back. It feels like a good place to stop. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, like, I'm gonna have to, like, edit this part out, because I'm gonna talk for a second, but, like, I do worry, like, because he talks about, like, the monotone stuff. What if, like, he doesn't like Microsoft David? <laughs> I think it'll be okay. Because, just because it's funny. Like, it's obviously ka-clink, ka-clink, ka-clink. But yeah. he goes, C.A. Clink, C.A. Clink, C.A. Clink. It's, my, it's obvious when you see it. Like, what if yeah. people who are just listening? Um, I don't know. We can, like, work on that, like, as, like, we're doing it later. Yeah. Like, for now, we can just focus on getting the actual. Yeah, and we're not doing that huge of a chunk either. Like, that was no. only about five minutes. Yeah, maybe. five minutes is kind of a long time, I guess. Is. Well, we'll figure it out. We can, like, we can chunk things up later if we need to. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go back to the beginning. We're on... Um, discuss this. Dope. Now, my big thing is, I love, like, I love, like, things in short stories when you have, like, announcements in them or, like, anything that makes you, like, change, like, the format a little. Yeah. So, I like the announcement. I like what you did with that. I do think, like, it might work if, like, you did it kind of, like, broken up because this is not something you can see, obviously, in a podcast, but it's, like, in one paragraph, the whole announcement. So something like this, where you just separate, there is an emergency in the building. Please evacuate them all using the stairs. Do not use the elevators or escalators. Paragraph ba- break. Beep, beep, beep. Then there is an emergency in the building. Please evacuate them all using the stairs. Do not use the escala- elevators or the escalators. So I'm going to change it up. That's exactly what intercoms do. And then beep, beep, beep. But this is like something like really minor. And like I don't even think it's not that necessary. This is just... A stylistic choice. Yeah. I definitely thought about it, but I was like, 
I didn't want to make it look like I was trying to reach for, like, the page limit. But there's not even a page limit. So, no. like, I don't know, man. No. I get it. I and mean, plus, like, that'd be something that would have to, like, vary by if you submitted it to a journal or something. Some journals would probably want it to be, like, shorter. Some would like, you know, the page, the breaks. Yeah. So, It just you know. depends on where I submit it, yeah. It does. And certain certain readers are just going to be like, ew, I don't like that. And then some are going to look and be like, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> now, totally irrelevant point. Did you like Rick Riordan's books growing up? I did. I love Rick Riordan. Okay, I, like, I read Kane and Percy, and I was like, mm. I straight up didn't do that on purpose, though. Like, I was like, I want to look for a more common guy's name. An older, like, not used as much girl's name, and then, like, a really, like, rarely used guy's name. That's yeah. what I wanted to do for my main character trio. Mm -hmm. And so I chose Roxanne, because I really like that name. Yeah. I chose Kane, which, because it's dope. <laughs> and I chose Percy, uh, because I think I asked someone for a guy's name, and I think, I think it was my friend Will. <laughs> he was like, Percy. And I was like... Okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> That's really funny, then. Yeah. Which, that actually reminds me, because there's, like, a, a baby billboard in town that, like, announces baby names, <laughs> and when I was, like, there one day, I passed this baby, this, like, there was, like, a baby's name on there that was Kane Carter, and I'm like, bruh. <laughs> yeah. And my dad's like, well, maybe they didn't know, and I'm like, there's no way they didn't know. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's not like it's the worst name you could name your baby. But I'm just looking at that and I'm like, which actually, the same day I saw a ba I saw the baby named Roxas up there. Roxas? Yeah, like from Kingdom Hearts. Oh my god. So Some nerds, jeez. Yeah, there were like a lot of nerds having babies that day, I guess. I mean, personally, if I'm going for a baby name, I'd go for Kane Carter over Roxas. Yeah. But, all right, so we're going to move on. At least what? teachers on the roll can pronounce Kane and Carter. <laughs> yeah. Poor baby. Roxas? <laughs> okay, now this is like a minor like point, because I got a little confused, because there's so many characters in the crowd. Oh, yeah, there are a lot. And the second time we read it, it was fine. But like, going through the first time, I was like, I don't recognize all these characters, especially because the main trio are like the only three who are named besides... A character who's coming up in another section. But I'm going to keep that a secret. <laughs> so that that bothered me just a tad. I think, like... I mean, it, it kind of works because you've got, like, these identifying features. And I know that's, like, how you should do it. But it still bothered me because I got a little confused. Yeah, I didn't want to give too many characters too many names because then you can't keep track of who the name belongs to. So that's why I wanted to keep, like, my three, like, they have names, and then everyone else is identified by, like, a feature that they have. Like, Skyrim Boy, mm -hmm. and then there's the blue-haired girl, and then some people later that haven't been introduced. Yeah, and I, I know that works. I just, I don't know. It does bother me a bit. And now another thing, because it just, like, distracted me when I was looking at it again that I totally missed the first time. Um, you have this part... This is not a drill. The country is... Did we get there already? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm talking too fast. It's fine. We're, like, right there, though, so it's chill. Yeah. And when we get there, and then we can listen to Microsoft David talk some more. He's a mess. <laughs> he doesn't know the difference between ka-clink and ca-clink. 
And he also pronounced sus, which is like short for suspicious. Yeah. He just said S-U-S. And I was like, bruh, what are you doing? He likes to spell. <laughs> He's in a spelling bee. <laughs> He's doing a great job. <laughs> All right. Time to keep on trucking. Suddenly, the sounds of multiple alert tones emanate from the cell phones of the group. The blue-haired girl gasps, the first to pull out her phone and check. My Everbridge says that the government has issued a state of emergency. Apparently, we aren't the only ones in this situation. She turns her phone around, and a message reads clearly across her screen. This is not a drill. The country is being threatened by otherworldly beings. Do not approach. Alert your local authorities to the location of a being and if anyone needs evacuation. Holy shit, Roxanne mumbles, removing her hand from Kane's back, and brushing her long brown hair behind her shoulders. The blue-haired girl calls the police, walking a few steps away from the murmurs of the group. At this point, Kane's normal tan complexion has revived from its pale panicked state and he stands up straight, running a hand through his spiked blonde hair. The blue-haired girl returns, and the group forms a small circle, looking at each other and taking in the gravity of the situation. Should we just stay here and wait for the authorities? Percy asks, letting his long red hair fall across his eyes. This is his thinking pose. The authorities said they would be here in two, three hours. We weren't the biggest priority, even when I mentioned the adults. Apparently, the same thing happened at a concert and a hockey game nearby and hundreds of people are trapped in both places, she says, her fingers playing with her lip ring nervously as she talks. What if another one of her friends shows up? Kane says quietly, tugging at his blue plaid flannel and not meeting anyone's gaze. A kid with a plastic sword on his back unsheathes his weapon and poses, holding the sword out in front of him. I'll slay it, he says his missing front tooth causing his S to whistle. An older girl who resembles the boy pats his head and shushes him, stifling a laugh. The intercom screams to life again, this time much more bearable. Boo-hoo, the children don't want to play with me. What a shame, the older people were much more fun. Please come and see me, won't you? He, he. I even have a lovely tea party ready for all of you near the children's play area. Don't keep me waiting, you know what happens when you do. The group exchanges worried glances. Alright, that's another good place to take a little break. Alrighty. <clears throat> so we're going to go back to that. Um, When the blue-haired girl pulls out her phone and she says, My Everbridge says that the government has issued a state of emergency, um... This is like a, another little, what's that word called when you're talking about the form, format? What's the word when you're talking about the format? It's called the formatting. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it out loud. Um, because, like, you have, like, the like the announcements over the intercom in a tap. I hate that word. I hate saying it. Whatever. <laughs> like, you should probably do the same for this. That way it's, like, obviously part of the announcement as opposed to the rest of the story. I wanted to, but at the same time, I didn't want to italicize it, because, like, I italicize the stuff that's, like, spoken. That's, like, red. It's, like, text on a screen. 
Yeah, well, so it's like different but the same. Well, could so. you could you do something else with the formatting to like make it stand out? Remember, kids, this is like part of the workshopping process because you're gonna argue with writers <laughs> and they're gonna be defensive, <laughs> and you're gonna be like, "I want to read this better." Yeah, but I mean, I could change the font so it looks more like a text, or I could have it start on like the other side of the page. You could because that is one of the many things you can do with formatting, like. We could talk about the font she's using, but since you can't see it, it's not very helpful. But font changes are very helpful for different stories, depending on like how much you need to make it clear that certain things look different. Something needs to be different here to yeah. make this different. But, again, very minor point. Yeah. So we can move on. Is there anything else in this uh, yeah. section? Actually, because like, in this whole section, there's like, a lot of physical description, like, and it's kind of sudden. Yeah. So, I feel like that needs to be more interspersed throughout the entire story. Yeah. Because you go from, like, in, like, these five paragraphs here. Roxanne, long brown hair, blue-haired girl. Kane is tan. With, and his with spiked blonde hair, blue-haired yeah. girl, and then long red hair. Yeah. So, it's, like, a lot right there. And I'm sorry. We're going to start the sneeze counter now. I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Never mind. We didn't have to start it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah I didn't like I've read this through like three or four times and I didn't even realize that I did I talk about someone's hair color in all five of these like chunks what am I doing I guess I'll have to intersperse that but I just have to find a good place to do it I think yeah. I could probably talk about like the thinking pose later because I think he does it again later and yeah. then I could talk about I could just have Kane stand up straight, and that's it. Yeah, that I mean... That would probably help. <laughs> like, you can add those details in elsewhere, and I do think, that, like, there's a lot of, like, good character details that makes it very visual, but, like, as for, like, that short period of time, you're like, man, the narrator wants to look at everybody's hair. <laughs> We're in a hairdresser. pretty. <laughs> I like hair, too. I mean, like, it's one of my favorite things to describe, even if I'm really bad at describing it. <laughs> it's really hard to describe hair because you have like you have like a really distinct image of what somebody's hair looks like yeah. but if you go into too much detail with hair people are like hello <laughs> it's the same way with like a lot of physical description i think i think physical yeah. description is very hard to do yeah it is but something i always do for physical descriptions <laughs> is if my characters are walking anywhere and it's quiet i usually have like the sound of their feet slash socks slash shoes mm -hmm. on whatever like thing they're walking on and I have like them hear the sound and then mm -hmm. I have the sound like yeah. I did that earlier with the claws like the kuklink 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 mm -hmm. I like the like the onomatopoeia like sound mm -hmm. stuff because I think it's important it like makes you feel like you're like right there with them because you can like you can imagine the sounds a little bit better I don't know I like to do the sounds yeah I don't know I have like a lot of mixed feelings about physical descriptions because I'm a Jane Austen nut and she doesn't include much physical description no, in her stories. <laughs> and it's, like, I think it's, like, interesting because some people are, like, really, like, very heavy on, like, we should know what everything looks like. And some people are, like, heck, it's up to your imagination. Good luck, bud. <laughs> but now we're going to go back to, like, the actual topic at hand. Yeah, yeah. Back because to the story. Oh, uh, did I delete something here? Uh, um, maybe. Yeah, it goes boo-hoo. Can you guess the boo-hoo? Causing his S to whistle. Yeah, his S. 
That's where it, that's what it is. Oh. Like the S in the word slay. Okay. I'll slay it. I can't whistle like that, but my mom can. Slay it. Slay it. It's kind of like a slushy, lispy sound. Yeah. And I can say that because I am studying communication disorders, and that's, like, <laughs> actually a thing. You nerd. <laughs> I know. I'm a huge nerd about that stuff. So, so you know, now we get back to, like, the intercom stuff again, which is fun and very creepy. Microsoft David doesn't understand how laughing works in text. He. He. <laughs> that's exactly how I did it. <laughs> he's so bad at reading, but at the same time, he's better at it than I am, so... Yeah, I mean, at least he doesn't miss any words. Yeah, I would miss words. This is why he's reading it and not me. Yeah, I, but I think that's probably why audiobooks still include real people. Yeah. Because... He gets a little monotone. Yeah, I mean, like, AI, like, reading stuff, like... It's the same way I don't really like the AI stuff on phones. Mine asks, like... I said to call my mother one day, and it asked, like, is, who is your mother? And I go, uh, mom. Yeah, mine does that all the time. Mom, and, and they're like, they're like, so mom, is your mother? And I'm like, could you maybe build that in? Like, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe somewhere in the world somebody could be named mom. But. Mine does that just because I have, like, in my phone, I have mm-hmm. my mom as mom, and then I have my boyfriend's mom as Nathan's mom. And then I think I have, like, a couple other people's moms in there. So it comes up, like, it's like, which one of these do you want to call? And I'm like... Mum. I want to call mum, because that's my mom. I thought I had a voicemail, but I don't. It's fine. <laughs> okay. okay, so we can move on to the next part again. Alright, here we go. I guess we should play along, right? It's either that or keep running from her friends, Roxanne says, using the same brave voice from before. Everyone nods hesitantly. Percy crouches down in front of the sword kid. Do you know where the children's play place is? The sword kid nods excitedly and begins to scamper off towards it, the rest of the group jogging behind him. They pass a huge window quickly but Roxanne notices something odd and hesitates, Percy almost crashing into her as a result. Guys, hold on, she says, pointing. Outside the window, the fountain sprays like it usually does depicting the scene of stone people having fun in the water and squirting water at each other from their mouths or water guns, it's a thing they've seen hundreds of times. Upon closer inspection, however, the statues appear more lifelike than before. And the water is red and thick. Oh my god, Kane says, leaning a hand on the window. The sister of the sword kid leads him away. The blue-haired girl turns and throws up in a potted plant near the window. Percy pales and starts to wobble. Roxanne steadies him, tears clear in her green eyes. The statues have been replaced with the corpses of many of the adults from before, and the water they play in and with is fresh blood. The corpses' mouths hang open at odd angles, blood still dripping from their lifeless lips. Their clothes are torn, claw marks visible on their skin. A few fingers are missing here and there, as are a few shoes, socks, and feet. The group backs away from the window, collapsing on the ground just far enough away that the horror is out of sight. The intercom squeals again, making everyone jump. Ah, so I see you have found my artwork. Isn't it beautiful? They stopped having fun and playing with me, so I decided I would make them have their kind of fun for the rest of eternity. 
Isn't that lovely? I can't wait to have fun with all of you. Hurry up now, my friends won't be stopped by that door for much longer. The Sword Kid scrambles to his feet, his Lightning McQueen sneakers lighting up. I wanna play. Let's go, let's go, he says, darting away down the main drag of the mall. The sister jumps up and gives chase, the rest of the group following at a slower pace. Boyo. Boyo come back, she calls. The lights from his shoes fade until the group catches up, arriving at the play area. A beautiful table spread has been set up there and Boyo cowers behind his sister's legs. Sitting at the head of the table is a woman with lavender skin and long, deep purple hair. Her black, cracked lips twist into a wicked grin, and she beckons the group with a long, dark claw, fresh blood dripping from the tip onto the tablecloth in front of her. Alright. Yeah, well, so thank you for naming Boyo after my nephew, because that's really <laughs> frightening. You're welcome. So, yeah, that, that really is great. Um... Like, like rereading this, I'm like noticing a few other things I want to like comment on. Go for it, um, dude. So Boyo gets a little. He like gets excited, and like I'm gonna play. Let's go, let's go. And then when he gets to the play area, he's more, like he hides behind his sister's leg. So is he frightened in that first scene? The first scene, like right. I mean, like right here when he's when like, he running. wants to play. Yeah. No, he's like play place play let's play but he's he, not listening but he did just see all those dead bodies he didn't though because his sister like didn't let him she like let him away okay all right i guess i can see i okay i guess i got that so why is she scared now i mean he's scared now because he sees the lavender skinned woman and she's got claws and she's scary looking okay because she's kind of a demon <laughs> well yeah <laughs> right, that makes sense. And then the other thing was, like, I don't remember what it was. I just remember I thought about it. I added more. You added more spaces. I don't know how I did that. I didn't think I had my hand on there. Um, did you like his light-up Lightning McQueen sneaker? <laughs> yeah, my nephew. I gave, For his first Christmas with, that I saw him, I gave him light-up uh, Ninja Turtle sneakers. <sighs> I felt bad. He outgrew them really quickly. Aww. And they, he, but he kept trying to step his feet into them, Aww. so they had to buy him another pair. Aww. Kids love light-up sneakers. Okay, blah, 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 blah. This was a pretty short chunk. Yes, it was. So I don't know how much to say. I don't know. I, don't, I had something to say, but I totally forgot it, so it probably wasn't that important. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. All right. So they found the demon. Mm-hmm. Come here, my children. I have prepared some treats for you. Her sultry voice reverberates around the empty space, wrapping the group in its counterfeit warm. And no thank you, ma'am. We just ate, Roxanne says, smiling to the best of her ability. The group nods in agreement, they all had come from the food court after all. It wasn't a lie. At least come join me for a drink then. She says, again beckoning. Impatience is clear in her voice and her actions, as she drums her claws on the table. The group walks towards the table, almost not of their own accord. It's like every time she pulls her finger towards her, the group takes a few steps forward. 
The only one able to hesitate is Boyo but, not wanting to be alone, he follows his sister to the table. Look, I have tea ready for you, she says, gesturing to beautiful jade teacups brimming with a dark amber liquid. Everyone takes a seat at the table, Boyo facing the woman and Roxanne facing Kane and Percy. Skyrim boy sits to the left of the woman and a mousy teenage boy with freckles and braces sits to her right. Roxanne looks at the tea and squints her eyes. What kind of tea is this, ma'am? P-U-E-R-T, my dear. I promise you it is safe for you to drink. You all are my dear guests, after all. Killing you outright is no fun, the woman says, pulling a 1920s-style cigarette holder from a ceramic ashtray on the table and taking a long drag. She blows the smoke out and instead of the pungent smell of tobacco and capitalism permeating the table, the smell of jasmine and lavender settles over the group. The smell is so calming and reassuring that most of the group raise their cups to their lips and sip the steaming drink. The taste is smooth and earthy. It sits warm in Roxanne's belly. After watching Roxanne try the tea, Percy and Kane follow suit, wanting to go down together if this tea was their demise. Another haze of smoke falls over the group, and Roxanne's lips almost twist into a blissful smile. She slaps her reddened cheeks a few times, pulling herself, Percy, and Kane from the illusion. Who are you? Roxanne asks, pushing the tempting tea away from her. The lavender-skinned woman smiles again, revealing her red-stained teeth this time. She sets the cigarette holder back down into the ashtray and rests her chin on the heels of her hands. My name is Azrar, but in more modern English, I am called Anastasia. Call me whichever you like or stick to ma'am. Just don't be disrespectful, her gaze slides to Skyrim boy next to her, who slurps his tea obnoxiously for the third time. He shakily sets the cup down and pushes it away from him. What brings you here, Azrar? Kane asks, twiddling his thumbs and avoiding her gaze. She turns towards Kane and his tall frame shrinks back into the chair. It is time demons take back what was once ours. God gave humans the earth after taking it from us. We want our home back. My old home used to stand right here. Now it is reduced to a sad excuse for a shopping mall. Disgusting. She takes another long drag from her cigarette and blows smoke rings over the table, each one landing perfectly on the rim of a teacup. She rises from her chair, the feet scraping across the tile floor of the mall. Stop it right there. Alrighty. Got some comments for this little section? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. The P-U-E-R-T. Does that mean something? Or? Yeah, it's a type of tea. Oh. I'm just stupid then, I guess. So. <laughs> I uh, wanted to come up with, like, the darkest color tea that there was. Because, mm. you know, she's a demon. Yeah. She's having a good time. Uh, so, I googled, like, teas, mm -hmm. and then, like, looked at a bunch of teas, and it's, like, a Chinese tea ah. that, like, has a really, like, earthy taste that's really dark. Alrighty. So, so. I was like, I'ma pick that one! So, symbolism. We've got some symbolism going on there. Mm -hmm. Then, is it Azrar or Azrar, as he's pronouncing? <laughs> it's Azrar. But, you know, Microsoft David is Microsoft David, so... Yeah, so Azrar. Um, 
it does seem a little weird for her to have like Anastasia as a name too. Like why why does she have that? I mean, I just wanted to give her a name that like, cause Azra is kind of a harder name to say. Yeah. So I wanted to give her like a more humany name too, cause she used to be human, and I think she says that later. But um, she like, like Azra is not like an English name. No. It's something I made up. So, um, I wanted to give her, like, a name in English. I'm thinking about cutting it, but I'm also not thinking about cutting it. Just because, like, I like the name Anastasia, mm-hmm. but I don't think I have any of the characters call her Anastasia. No, you don't. But, like, when I was, like, first reading the story, I looked it up, and Anastasia, the name actually comes from a Christian saint. Oh, well, so that's the opposite. Yeah, so it wouldn't be, like, a bad thing to have. Like, you could have her, like, you could have something about, like, like you could, like, instead of saying in more modern English, because it kind of implies that Anastasia's, like, a translation of Azrar. Yeah. So I think what might work a little better is, like, saying her saying, like, you can call me Anastasia if you wish, but, like, maybe mention how Anastasia's not, doesn't seem to suit her or something. I yeah. don't know. There's ways you could work it in. Yeah. And I think it would be cool if you could. Yeah. But that's, like, super minor. So, All moving right. on. We're gonna move on. Uh, we got to about here. Yeah. We can start the next section again. All right. Here goes Boyo. Excuse me, Ms. Azrar. Boyo says, also rising from his chair. You promised us treats and that you'd play. This is no fun. Boyo pouts at her. Azrar whisks over to Boyo and gives him a smile. First, the treats I promised, she sings, picking Boyo up and holding him on her hip. She is surprisingly gentle with the boy, making sure not to so much as graze him with her claws. Azrar snaps her fingers and a box appears in her unoccupied hand. Open it she says, setting it in front of Percy. He looks up at her, fear engraved into his features. Don't worry, it is only Lady Fingers. You all may have as many as you like, she says, a mischievous glint in her dark eyes. Percy removes the lid and squeaks, pushing back from the table so suddenly that his chair tumbles over and sends him sprawling onto the ground. The box is full of the fingers the group noticed missing from the corpses, all the fingernails manicured. The blue-haired girl dry heaves and Skyrim boy refuses to even look in the box, judging its contents from context clues. Boyo buries his face into Azrar's hair. She rubs his back soothingly. Boyo's sister watches in horror. Now children, you must make a decision. You can either make the same mistakes the ones before you have and join them in eternal water-filled fun, or you can choose to stay with me for eternity and slowly evolve into what you see before you. She points a clawed finger at herself. You were once human. Percy stammers, having rejoined the group at the table. He placed the lid back on the box and is choosing to ignore it completely. Sweetheart, all demons were once human. I just happened to be a special one. A demon raised me just how I offered to raise you. It's not so bad. You just must lose your humanity. Her words hang in the air like the purple cigarette smoke as the group consider their options. She picks up her cigarette holder again and takes another pull, coating the group in the sweet scent of the smoke. 
I'm going to go play with this lovely child for a little while so you can have some time to consider your options. Let's go, sweet one, she says, walking toward the play area with a visibly happy boya. The group sits in stunned silence. Roxanne gestures from Kane and Percy to get up and follow her so they can talk in private. It seems escape isn't an option, Kane says, resting his chin on his knees. He receives two solemn nods in response. I'm not really that religious necessarily, so I don't really have a good grasp on what comes after death. That really scares me. But what scares me more is that I'm actually considering staying with her, Roxanne says, pulling her brown hair into a ponytail as she speaks. She always plays with her hair while she is thinking. Oddly, so was I, Kane says, avoiding eye contact. I wasn't really, but now that I know you guys' thoughts, it is on the table again. I don't want to die alone, Percy says, letting his red hair cover his eyes. The group sighs. At least we have a choice. It seems the sister doesn't have one, Roxanne says, looking past Kane and Percy. Boyo's sister watches as Azrar plays with Boyo, a wistful look in her eyes. She tucks a lock of hair behind her ear and visibly sighs. A soft smile sits on her lips as she watches Boyo play nights with Azrar. He looks so happy. Azrar rises from her crouched position and stretches her back. Come back over, my children. I am ready to hear your verdict, Azrar calls, her smooth, low voice beckoning everyone back to the table. Everyone takes their seats and exchange nervous glances. Oh. Did you want me to keep going? No, no, no. It's a typo there. Exchanges. I know. There's... I just noticed it. There are a few typos that I was like cringing at. I I miss that stuff pretty easily. Uh, so do I, even though I've, like, listened to this multiple times. Yeah, I don't, like, do well just listening to stuff, because I tune it out. <laughs> so do I. Okay, what are we talking about now? Uh, so we talked about, um, we talked about you having, like, Azrar and Anastasia as both names for the demon. Mm -hmm. Because you also talk about how demon raised her and how she became a demon. Yeah. And I like that detail. I just think that needs to be worked in a little bit differently. Because, like, you could use that name to really, like, foreshadow it. It would be pretty good if you could do that somehow. That would require a little bit of rewriting. But I do like that. I just thought it seemed, like, confusing, like, different from what she first said. But I don't remember what I meant when I, like, wrote that comment down. <laughs> because stupid uh then the other thing is this section i feel like it just needs a little more expanding it's the section where boyo jumps up immediately and about half of the oh oopsie we're gonna have to cut that part <laughs> i'm gonna add a flag <laughs> flag added all right um what did you think of boyo's sister Right, uh, I don't want to, like, bring, I want to bring that up at the end, because I have things to say at the end, but I don't want to say them yet, because okay. we haven't gotten there yet. What do you think about the lady figures? That was, ugh, <laughs> ugh. I don't like horror much, I really don't like gore, but, I mean, you do it good. Thank you. I just, ugh. Yeah. I had that thought, like, as soon as, like, uh, I was like, they're gonna have tea, a type of cookie is lady fingers. That's awful. Hmm. You're awful. <laughs> Thank you. All right. 
Let's keep going. I think I'll just probably let it go all the way to the end this time. Sounds good. All right. We got like 40 minutes worth. If you so. choose yeah. to stay with me and become my child, rise from your seat. Boyo jumps up immediately, and about half of the group follow suit, including Kane, the blue-haired girl, and Skyrim boy. Percy and Boyo's sister remain seated. After a few beats, Roxanne rises as well. More than I expected, astounding. Anyone else? Azrar looks around the table, her gaze stopping on Percy and Boyo's sister for an extra beat. Roxanne gives Percy a pleading gaze, but he stares past her, a crucifix pressing into his palm. He can't bring himself to stand, it would go against everything he believes in. He closes his eyes and mouths a prayer, begging for his assent and forgiveness for Cain and Roxanne. Azrar snaps her fingers and suddenly those sitting are strapped to their chairs, dark crimson rope binding their hands and feet to the chairs. The table has also disappeared, leaving no barrier between the two sides. Azrar holds a hat filled with slips of folded paper. She shakes it, a sick grin stretched across her lilac face. My children come draw your initiation task from my hat. Don't be shy, she coos, beckoning with her claw. The six standing walk over to Azrar and draw a slip of purple paper. Your first task is to kill the person listed on that piece of paper. Boyo, I will handle yours myself, she says, glaring at Boyo's sister. Roxanne unfolds her paper and gasps. Kane unfolds his and does the same. Percy Belmont. Both papers read the name of their dear friend. Roxanne opens her mouth to protest, to object, to do anything to avoid this cruel task. Ah, ah, ah. All these papers were blank until you picked them up, my dear. I told you that to transform into this, Again Azrar gestures at her demonic form, you must first lose your humanity. This task is the catalyst for your transformation. Azrar tosses the hat into the air, snaps, and what comes back down is a serving tray lined with gleaming knives. Roxanne and Kane grip their knives, making eye contact with each other. Kane's breathing is elevated, and his face is pale, panic attack. He places a hand over his mouth. Roxanne's knees shake. They turn to Percy. Percy's eyes are still closed, and the crucifix is embedded in his palm. He mumbles prayers, rattling off lists of things as quickly as he can. They walk over to Percy, the synchronized click of their sneakers like the ticking of a clock moving closer to their dear friend's doom. Two people are already dead. Next to Percy, Boyo's sister gasps for air, blood gurgling in her throat. Azrar has her hand over Boyo's, and Boyo's hand is on the knife. His eyes are squeezed shut. You can already see a noticeable change in his skin tone. Percy, Roxanne says, standing to his left. He begins to pray loudly, his entire body shaking. Tears stream down his face. His red hair is damp with sweat. Kane rests the hand with the knife on Percy's shoulder. Percy stops praying and looks at his two friends. Please, don't do this. Please, Percy pleads, his voice breaking. Roxanne stifles a sob and Kane stares at his shoes. 
Our minds are all made up, Percy. I'm really sorry, Kane whispers through his hand, his voice barely audible over the screams of the mousy braces boy. Percy nods sadly and swallows hard. On the count of three, Roxanne asks, looking at her friends. Her voice hands, everything shakes with fear. Guilt sits like an elephant on her shoulders. Kane and Percy nod. One. Two. I love you guys, Percy says, dropping the crucifix. Three. Plunge. And. Well, that was definitely a depressing ending. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, we're gonna do like the last little bit of like actually talking about little minor things in the story, and then we're going to move on to discussing the story as a whole. Because that's a fun part of workshopping. You can nitpick all the little bits and discuss the story as a whole. Don't be so nervous. I'm, I liked it as much as I like horror, which is like, you know, my horror scale is. If the scale of like what I like to read is one to ten, horror maxes at a five, <laughs> and this is a five. Yay! So don't worry. I just don't like horror. It yeah freaks me out. All right, so oh, baby. Any comments okay. you have for me? Yeah. So the section where um, if you choose to stay with me and become my child, rise from your seat. Um, I feel like the section where like people jump up, it doesn't like. I feel like it needs a little more expansion, yeah. because, I don't know, and I feel like there's a lot of people there, and it seems very boiled down. Now, I also want to talk about, like, why does Boyo's sister stay seated? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I think when I was writing it, I was like, it'd be more dramatic if she dies. It would be, and I agree with that. But... And I think also if she chose to stay... I don't think Ezra would let her, because I think Ezra wants, like, a child, like, to have as, like, an actual, like, child child. Yeah. And so she really likes Boyo, because he's really cute. Yeah, and that's fair. Um, if you're gonna go for that angle, then there's that part where they, t where Percy, Roxanne, and Kane talk about Boyo's sister not having a choice. I feel like yeah. we need to take that out then. Yeah. Because she does have a choice, and she makes that choice. Yeah. I think what I meant by that was either way, she kind of gets the short end of the stick kind of choice. Like, if she chooses to become a demon, she knows Azrar is either going to say no to her, or she's going to have to fight with Azrar for Boyle's attention. Well, I just don't feel like it comes through, necessarily. Yeah. Um, because how would she know that Azrar would, wouldn't let her? Mm, like, I don't know. Yeah, so, like... You know, there's just little nitpicky yeah, things. Yeah, I'll take that line out, I guess. Yeah, you gotta figure... You, you can figure it out. Yeah. This is the first draft. Yeah, dude. Then, uh... Then, that's a very minor thing. We say, you can already see a noticeable change in his skin tone. Because it's, like, third person, I don't feel like he should slip yeah. into the second ever. But... That's like, what... as... Like, I saw that you had the line highlighted, and mm -hmm. I was, like, thinking about it. Like, why does she have it highlighted? And then, like, I saw that it's the mm -hmm. word you, and I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's like something nitpicky with me. But since we're on the subject, I do want to get into, like, the, the, um, point of view. Because you mentioned that in, like, the note where you wanted to, about things you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, 
you're not quite in third person limited. Yeah, I'm trying. You're, yeah, you're close, but like with third person limited, you really have to stick to one character, and you slip in like little bits of thoughts from other people. Yeah. I think what I was trying to do is do third person limited, but have it just be like the three characters. Be the limited. But I guess like it's like third person. It's not omniscient because you don't know no. everyone's thoughts. But it's not limited either. <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely get that. I've like I've read stories with like weird point of views, and I feel like third person is one of those things where it's you can't hard. you can't really like say third person is like one of anything because sometimes it's somewhere in between. Yeah, so uh, that's why I'm thinking it like leans more toward third person limited. Yeah, but it's like you get Kane's thoughts, you get Roxanne's thoughts, and you get Percy's thoughts. Yes, and then you also slipped into one point talking about Boya's sister's thoughts. Damn. <laughs> but you can cut that out, especially yeah, because of like the like the trimming. What you're trimming on that little subplot, I think you'll already take that out, so yeah. it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, when since like you want to stick with third person limited, this is like totally irrelevant. But I also thought it'd be kind of cool if you went like third person omniscient and like God's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it would just be a very different thing. It would be. It would be like, oh, no. I know that they're not going to make the right choice. Yeah. But, you know, that that would be a little weird. Um, so that's all about. I have to say about that. Um, the characterization. 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 <laughs> the character. I'm going to plug it. The character... <laughs> I can't say it! The characterization. Yes, the characterization overall is fine. I feel like we know a little bit more about Roxanne, but Kane and Percy, I want a little more on them. Just, yeah. And actually, I want more on Roxanne and Kane specifically about why they choose it. Yeah. Because we see that Kane, or sorry, Percy, has like the religion to pull him away from saying, nope, I'm just going to die. Yeah. But they kind of just like do it. And I can see where you're going with Kane. It's kind of like the anxiety angle. He doesn't want to die. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, Kane doesn't want to die. So, like, play that up, and I think it'd be good. Yeah. So, what's Roxanne's thing? Why does she make that choice? I think a similar thing to Kane. Like, mm-hmm. I think I said, like, um, I'm not really that religious necessarily, but I don't really have a good grasp on what comes after death. Mm-hmm. That really scares me. But what scares me more is that I'm actually considering staying with her. So I think it, it's yeah. just that she's scared of dying as well. So I guess I need to play it up. Yeah. I, I guess would... they can chat before they actually kill Percy a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And then I can have Azrar be like, time's ticking. Mm. Yeah, I would play that up more. Um, it was just like I was at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And I was getting tired, and I'm pretty sure I was finishing it at, like, 2 in the morning, so I just wanted to get the ending done. So I was like, this works. Yeah. Sorry I'm moving so much. My leg is numb. Chill. It really hurts. I don't know how legs can be numb and then hurt at the same time. Oh, man. They do, though. Okay. Um, that's really, like, I think that's the big stuff I have to say about the overall story. So, like, do you have any other things you want to ask me about it? Mm. Do you think I really should give everyone a name, or should I keep it just, like, Boyo, Roxanne, Kane, and Azrar? Um, that depends on how deep you are going to go into redoing things. Like, 
as it is right now, I don't think you need to, break, to give everybody a name. Because yeah. I'm kind of like seeing it almost like a movie, you know? And not every, not everybody in a movie is going to have a name. Yeah. But... They're like extras. <laughs> yeah. The problem is that books and extras don't function well in yeah. a lot of ways. So, like, anything where you're, like, reading it, it's a lot harder to have the extras. Because you get kind of sick of, like, hearing the woman, the woman, the man, the boy, the girl, the woman, the woman... That's why I was trying to, like, give them a distinct characteristic so that acts as their name, like Skyrim yeah. boy, blue-haired girl. Yeah, I think that does work. Maybe it was just because, like, I was, like, being a little resistant to it. As it is now, I think you don't need to change much on yeah. that end. It, the only thing I could see you doing, and this would require, like, a lot of rewriting, obviously, so this <laughs> is not why I'm at, I'm not asking you to do it. <laughs> you could cut down the amount of characters massively. And I then, could, but then it wouldn't make as much sense. No. So, you know, that was like thing. It would require a lot of rewriting. So, probably not something you want to do. Mm-hmm. All right, so. What about the title? La Vie en Levant. Well, it's French. I like French. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, when I first read it and, like, the whole emergency thing, I was kind of picturing, like, some, like hallucinogenic gas that was going to come into the mall. <laughs> so that's like what I was like expecting this whole time and then I didn't really know what to expect with the demon. I'm not sure it works perfectly, but I'm not good with titles, so I don't I was going to call it Plunge. What do you think of Plunge? Plunge isn't bad. Plunge could work. Cuz like it's Kane and Roxanne plunging into their new lives as demons and they're also plunging a knife yeah. into Percy. <laughs> I think it could I think that could work. So that's, like, my... That was what I was going to go with, but, mm-hmm. like, one of my favorite, like, sayings is La Vie en Roche, or Life mm-hmm. in Pink, which mm-hmm. is cute. So I was, like, La Vie en Laurent was, like, yeah, hell yeah. Yep. So I chose that one instead. So, you know, you got a lot of decisions to make, and that's always the fun after workshopping. Yeah, now action. I get to decide what I want to keep from what you said and what <laughs> I want to ignore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is, like, a basic workshopping process. Obviously, not everybody's going to agree with my opinions, and the author doesn't agree with all of my opinions, <laughs> which is very, very normal. Like, you shouldn't expect authors to always agree with you. Oh, yeah. And it would be bad if authors always did, because, like, there you hear all that stuff all the time, like, all the people who don't publish books, they think it'll never work, but the author turns out to be right. Yeah. So? Sometimes I'm like, I really like this part. No one else in class liked this part, but I did, so I'm going to try to make it better. <laughs> yeah, that's, sometimes you just have to stick with your guns. Alrighty, so we're going to close up the workshop now. Alright, thank you guys for listening, and yeah. have a nice day. Have a nice day. That was awkward. We could cut that.